we are here with the lovely and talented Maria Pendolino, and she's going to be talking about the art of negotiation and voiceover, but she's also the keynote speaker for the Evocation Conference. So we are very lucky to have Maria on our podcast with us right now. How are you doing, Maria? I'm doing great, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Long time no see, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how did you come to be involved with Evocation? Yeah, so I uh, joined last year, uh, the very first vocation conference in New York City. I was on the Working Pros panel, and I presented uh, negotiation for voice actors as a workshop. And I thought it was great. I thought it was a fantastic weekend. I really love talking about the business of our business. So, you know, for me, as someone who enjoys that side of all things voiceover, it was just a great conference for me. Um, I spent a lot of years building my career in New York City. I now live in Buffalo, New York, upstate Western New York with my husband. Um, so it was also just great to be back in New York. Like there's just such an energy there. So I'm sad that we can't all be, you know, in person this year at Symphony Space, but I'm super excited that Karin and Jamie decided to bring it back for a second year. And, you know, even though we have to be virtual this year, I do think the topics that we're going to talk about are really, really important and perhaps you know, now more than ever, even more important. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's, I think they've got a great event teed up and I'm super excited to present uh, negotiation again. And I'm truly thrilled, honored, flattered to be the keynote speaker this year. This is really, really exciting for me. Well, I couldn't go to a nicer gal. I know um, we were talking about, we had just wrapped up another conference about a month ago, the One Voice Conference, and people were just clamoring about your talks. They're just like, she's got an amazing head on her shoulders. I learned so much. And so you mentioned before that you had been to the previous one as a presenter. As you said, not only are you presenting, but you're also the keynote speaker. What else do you think is going to be different about this event compared to the previous one? You know, I think a lot of people are coming in this year, perhaps with a little bit of knowledge about, you know, maybe what they want to learn or what they want to ask, you know, as it pertains to the business. I think last year, everybody, we all kind of had like stars in our eyes a little bit about like, wow, this is like <laughs> totally different. Like we're not focusing on performance. We're not really going to talk about, you know, what type of microphones you need, but actually all about the business and like what it takes to be a small business owner in America, what it takes to run a business today as a performer, how to set yourself up for success, thinking about, you know, finances and planning and tracking and all of those things. And I don't know, some people might think that that stuff is boring. I think that stuff is really, really exciting. So I think this year, I think people, especially people who attended last year and are coming back again for their second time, will probably be even more positioned like with the exact questions they wanna ask or the thing that they really want advice or help on. So I'm super excited for that. But also, you know, we've seen a lot of people kind of enter maybe not enter the voiceover industry this year, because I think there's a lot of people who perform, but I think there's a lot of people because of COVID-19 who have taken their voiceover career into their hands a little bit more. So perhaps, mm -hmm. you know, prior to the pandemic, they were relying mostly on agents and managers for opportunities, but perhaps have been more inspired to go out and seek their own opportunities and do direct marketing or online casting or things like that. So I'm also really excited to see people who have perhaps you know, been a voice actor for a long time or have been in the game for a long time, but are trying to adapt their business to move forward from COVID-19 and beyond. So I think, you know, perhaps bringing that expertise to the table will really bring some interesting conversations to what we've got going on. 
Absolutely. And I love how you mentioned how it's almost like a whole conference of the boring stuff, quote, quotation <laughs> fingers. But but I love, I mean, your own passion and just making it accessible to everyone in, in your talks is just inspiring in its own right. And, and I know at other conferences, people often complain. It's like, oh, people say they want to learn about marketing, but those are always the kind of the afterthought and the ones that uh, the sessions that struggle to fill. You know, but everyone's kind of on the same page about what they want to work on with this conference. And I'm just really excited about what you guys are going to create together. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, obviously all conferences provide some type of value and it, it depends on what you're going for, whether you're going just, you know, to, to network and see members of the community and get out of your cave for a week or a weekend, <laughs> um, you know, or if, you know, there's a particular, you know, high profile performer that you're really interested in their, their masterclass or their panel, like they, they all provide value. But I think having such a, a singular focus as to the business of the business, it allows people from all different spectrums, whether you've literally plugged in your microphone for the first time, or you've been at it for 20 years, um, we all kind of come to it from an understanding that we do this for not only the love of craft, but because we do want to make money as business owners. And that I think is really exciting as a kind of unifying factor. Brilliant. Well said. So continuing down that path, can you give us a little sneak peek about what you're going to talk about at your negotiation presentation? Yeah, so I am bringing back the negotiation Thunderdome, which was a big hit last year. Um, basically, what I've done is I've put together some case studies from my own voiceover business, um, obviously taking off names of clients and all of that kind of stuff, but just the nitty gritty, what the job is, how it's going to be used, what would you quote? Um, and last year I called people up on stage and kind of did it like a game show. Um, so we can't do that this year, but uh, I will ask different people to participate who are part of the negotiation workshop and just kind of say, you know, here are the given circumstances based on what I've told you and what you know, what would you quote? And have a couple different people give their quotes in a kind of safe, easy environment. You can feel free to fail spectacularly. And then I will actually tell you what the job paid. I will tell you what check I cashed. And I think people really enjoyed that because a lot of times some of this stuff seems very ethereal, like these mm -hmm. jobs that are listed on the rate guide, like where would I find that job? How would I get that type of work? So I tried really hard to pick case studies that kind of cross the different genres. So I've got some things that are you know, commercial and advertising. I have some things that are like e-learning narration, explainer videos. So I tried to make it very approachable as to the types of jobs that you yourself could actually seek out there in the marketplace. And then also some people found it inspiring. And I find that really um, enjoyable to hear that, wow, I would have really left a lot of money on the table if I had just thrown out the number that I'm used to. Mm -hmm. And it's not about it's not about like overcharging clients or getting more than you should for a job, but knowing, you know, that all of the rate guides are based on averages. So some person might quote at the lower end of the average, some might quote at the higher end of the average, but ultimately I'm just giving you kind of my personal experience. This is an email that I got. This is a quote that I prepared. This is a check that I cashed and this is a job that's out there in the world. Um, so I found it really gratifying when people came up to me afterwards last year and then, you know, I've presented it at some other places to say, wow, you know, I was able to use that information and I got 250 more dollars or I got a thousand more dollars or I felt comfortable sending an email to my client to get them to take perpetuity out of the contract or whatever. I think the information can be really empowering and I love hearing people's success stories of being able to use 
the information that I've been able to present in, in practice. Wonderful. Eye-opening, empowering, and even a gamification aspect. I love it. It's like, <laughs> it's like the price is right. But that's so great because as you mentioned, it is so important to be able to quote quickly and confidently. I mean, I see it every day through GVA, like we made the rate guide and every like, and people try to use our Facebook group as an opportunity to ask rate questions. And they're like, first off, that's not what it's for, but you need to be able to figure these things out yourself based on those numbers. Like you said, understanding why they are what they are in the first place. And so often you have people of all experience levels, but particularly inexperienced struggling with that and not being confident to demand what is the fair standard rate. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big piece of it also is there's more people hiring voiceover than ever before. And a lot of these people come to needing a voiceover actor from a place of not hiring before, not interacting with talent before. They, they're not coming from big Madison Avenue advertising agencies where they know how things go. And they think, well, you know, the script is about this long. It'll probably take a voice actor like, you know, 30 minutes to do it. So I guess $250 sounds fair. And I don't think that clients are posting jobs on online casting or when we're direct marketing to them. A lot of times the rates that they have in their mind, I don't think they come at it from a nefarious point of view. Like they're not like, ooh, I'm going to get something for nothing. That's not <laughs> really where it is. I think it's just they don't have a frame of reference. So they're like, it's a 15 second web ad, $250 sounds like a lot of money for 15 seconds they don't realize that we as an industry price our work based on how our voice is going to be used, what it potentially mm -hmm. prevents us from doing in the future. So that 15 second web ad might need to be $2,500 based on how they're going to use it. And if you just say 15 seconds, $2,500 without a little bit of that education, clients might kind of recoil in horror thinking that they'd be wildly overpaying for a mm -hmm. service that they've priced with no real knowledge. Um, so, you know, I try to give clients the benefit of the doubt and I try to help everyone understand that it's not always people trying to undercut and get something for nothing and a very low bidding mentality. Sometimes it's just frame of reference. And I think talents too, you know, if you came to this industry from something else, you know, where you were making 15 or 18, $20 an hour, and suddenly you have the opportunity to do a 30 second piece of work. And they tell you that it's going to pay $250. If that's your frame of reference, that might sound like a lot of money. And you're not actively trying to, you know, contribute to rate erosion in the voiceover industry. And you're not trying to undercut your colleagues. You just really don't know. So mm -hmm. education is a big part of it. And I think, um, helping everyone understand why the rate guides out there are, you know, broken up the way they are, why they show the different rates that they show, what it really means, and also just thinking about protecting yourself, your voice, your performance, your business. Um, if you're not doing a job through an agent or a representative, it's up to you to be that level of protection for your career and your future business interests. And people have to think like a business. You're not just a performer. You are providing a performance, but you also have to think about protecting the business aspect of it as well. Awesome. I'm feeling empowered and inspired. <laughs> <laughs> Well, awesome. Let's talk more about, aside from your talk, what exactly are you looking forward to about the conference? I love just seeing my colleagues. Um, I am a extrovert's extrovert. Uh, so being in a padded box all day and not having human contact is really not what I was built for. Um, so I am sad that I can't kind of give everybody a hug in person this year, but I'm really excited to kind of see and network with 
folks that I've met before. I'm excited to meet new people. And I'm also excited for some of the other talks and panels. I'm excited for um, the agent and managers panel. I'm excited for the casting directors panel, which I'm actually moderating. And I am really, really excited for um, the, the business of non-broadcast conversation that Debbie Irwin is hosting, because non-broadcast narration is growing leaps and bounds every year. You know, suddenly everybody went to virtual education, virtual school, and those of us who have been doing, you know, e-learning and non-broadcast narration were like, ooh, like this is our time, never gets our go. So I'm really excited to see uh, what, she, what she's gonna share during her talk. But other than that, I think also the Friday evening uh, entertainment, I think is gonna be fantastic. Anyone who was at the conference last year knows that suddenly Seymour is a fantastic diva performer, and I'm sure that's going to come through <laughs> on Zoom just as much as it does in person. And I personally have been loving all of the um, impressions and comedy that Lucas Arnold has been doing on his Instagram and TikTok, and I know that he's going to put on a great show too. So, um, you know, we can't buy tickets to go see live comedy, and we can't buy tickets to go see live music right now. So being able to enjoy some awesome entertainment over zoom as part of the conference is, is definitely a bonus talk about a value add that's awesome um so this definitely isn't your first rodeo you've done a number of virtual events in-person events and you've spoken at many of these things but how do you think this year's evocation is going to be different since you have you did actually go to the in-person one last year yeah, I think it's just going to be probably just a little bit of getting used to, um, you know, watching and listening to a presentation virtually, but then also like figuring out how to manage like the flow of communication for questions and answers and, you know, sharing of information. You know, you can't really pass out a handout the way that you can yeah, if you're yeah. all in a room together. So just some logistical things. But um, also, I think it also makes it accessible, which is really exciting. You know, if people perhaps didn't have the funds to invest not only in the conference registration, but also, you know, the travel, hotel, things like that. It makes it more accessible. Um, you know, if there's any performers that were uh, disabled or dealing with challenges and perhaps, you know, an in-person conference is perhaps overwhelming, mm -hmm. uh, virtual makes it even more accessible. So I'm excited that it perhaps could open the door to participation for people who were not able to participate in a live event. Absolutely. They, I mean, they're more affordable than they've ever been. And when, like, and one thing that I try to caution people if they're interested in an in-person event is to just tack a thousand dollars onto the cat or the cost for the travel and the hotel and the per diem and all that stuff. So it, yep. it gets, it gets cost prohibitive really quickly. And as you mentioned, the investment of time for people who just don't have the schedule to uproot for four days. I think this is a really exciting opportunity. And I hope in the future, while we don't do away with in-person conferences completely, I really hope that hybrid options are available for people because it just makes, it seems mutually beneficial for everyone, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, previously some conferences have, you know, provided access to sessions, you know, for a lower fee that you could like watch on your own time and kind of buy it almost as like an education library type of option. But I do think that there's still something to be said for participating live and knowing that like, I'm joining this talk at this time because there's a live component that I get to participate in. And I do think, you know, post this kind of pandemic season, I do think that we'll start to see more virtual events or like you said, hybrid events. Um, and I'm excited what that means. I'm excited what type of availability that means. 
um, and also just kind of access to things that normally either you wouldn't spend the money or you wouldn't commit to traveling to, or perhaps just access to things that you didn't even know about before because they are making virtual options possible. Because mm -hmm. I've always been someone to highly recommend, you don't need to go to all of them, but one event, maybe even two a year is great just to kind of help sharpen the stone and keep you up to date with everything. But now, but I would always have to make that caveat, like if you can't afford it, if it doesn't make sense for you logistically, it's fine. But now you don't have to do that. You can just be like, hey, you've got this discounted fee. You don't have to leave your home. You can watch at your own pace. It's, it's really ideal. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So Maria, it's been such a joy talking with you today. I'm so excited for you being the keynote and presenting on negotiation at the conference. But before that, how can people find out more about you if they want to hire you or just learn about you? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is voicebymaria.com. I also manage the kind of sub-brands millennialvoiceover.com that I work on with my friend Ian Fishman. And I'm also the founder of bluewavevoiceover.com, which is a democratic and progressive political collective of voice actors. You can follow me on Instagram. It's at Maria Pendo, M-A-R-I-A-P-E-N-D-O. I would say if you're not a fan of cats, perhaps the Instagram follow isn't for you because <laughs> I have three of them and I like to highlight them. Um, same handle on Twitter. And then I'm also always happy to connect with people on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Maria. Thank you for having me.